0: There we go. It sounds a whole lot better. But here is the verse that's under question this evening, Genesis chapter 10 and verse 25. And you're, of course, welcome to open your own Bibles, but any text that we're going to be looking at tonight, I'll have it up here on the screen. This is one of these questions I thought would work better if we just kind of made a presentation so I wouldn't lose anybody. But the text says two sons were born to Eber. One was named Peleg because in his time the earth was divided. His brother was named uh, Jotan. And um, the question, of course, being asked, that this section right here where it says well, the earth was divided, is that talking about uh, what's commonly known in scientific circles as the continental drift? And if you're not familiar with the continental drift, uh, it's the idea that uh, there was a time in the history of this world when all the uh, land masses in the world were all one big land mass, as you see here. And the reason why they believed that this was something that was the case was because if you look very carefully at how the land formations along this area here and this, and this area here, you can see how that they would fit together, kind of like pieces of a puzzle uh, within this particular uh, type of situation. And um, I personally uh, believe in what's known as the Continental Drift, uh, because of the fact that um, i don 't know how in the world uh, God could, have, of course taken care of it, and there 's some maybe another explanation that i haven 't thought of, but i don 't know how in the world that when Noah landed on the Mount Ararat here with the ark with two kinds of every animal that was on the face of the earth, and everything else was dead, how in the world that animals that were on the ark got down here to South America, or got down here to Antarctica, or got up here to uh, this part of North America. There has to be some explanation why there was animals in all parts of the world, even though there was a universal flood. How in the world did those animals get there? Well, one explanation, and it's a scientific explanation whether or not scientists believe in the Bible or not, they believe in what's known as the continental drift. And um, the question that's being asked tonight is this this verse here in Genesis 10, 25, where it says that the earth was divided, uh, is talking about that. Well, we'll get into the verse a little bit more in just a moment, why why I think the way that I think, but I do not think that this is talking about continental drift. The reason being, as far as a geological explanation is concerned, The continental drift would be such a big upheaval of land mass and other things. I don't believe it took place over millions and millions of years. I believe it took place uh, within a very short period of time because we know the earth is approximately 10,000 years old. So this continental drift, if it happened, had to take place very abruptly and very suddenly. And first of all, as I said, I believe in the continental drift because of the fact that I believe that's how animals that got off the ark inhabited the entire earth, because we know horses can't swim, we know that uh, dogs can't, well, they can do the dog paddle, but that's a long dog paddle across the Atlantic Ocean. That would explain how the animals got where they got, but in order for this to take place here, during the time period of 1025, you would have to have people already settled in these areas over here, and when the landmass took place... It would be a big, such a big geolo- uh, geological happening that it would cause all kinds of things, such as tidal waves and such as earthquakes and all kinds of things, for such a le- uh, geological uh, a- uh, situation to happen here. Well, well, somebody says, what about Noah and the animals off the ark? Well, once again, this is a, an opinion. The Bible doesn't tell us this. Uh, you can't probably find any scientific evidence, obviously, for this. But I personally believe what happened was that once Noah and, and, his, and the animals got off the ark, remember there was only eight people when Noah got off the ark, eight souls were saved by water, that the animals dispersed to these different areas. God calls them to go to these areas after they left the ark. And you have animals that are um, in certain areas that aren't in other certain areas. So for God and his wisdom, he decided those animals needed to go there, either because of climate or whatever, He thought that was the indigenous place for them to be. But after that happened, the continental drift happened, or I don't think it was a drift. I think it was a continental movement. I want you to notice that something very different about the area in which Noah and the ark is. Here's the eastern hemisphere. The area that probably Noah and his ark, we don't know this for a fact, but probably was somewhere about here. Now I want you to notice something that is different about the Eastern Hemisphere and the Western Hemisphere as far as the drift is concerned. If you go back and look at it again, notice everything's right here, and then you have the big drift which creates the Atlantic Ocean. And as I said, if this was down here and this was here, it would be such a a, a cosmic geological event that people that were living on these two countries right here in the movement as far as the tidal waves and the earthquakes that were involved, it would be something that would probably kill them and be cataclysmic. But yet Noah and his ark, notice where he is and notice where the drift is. Notice that he is in an area that is relatively unchanged when you look at this right here. And so that might have been what happened, the reason why it might have took place Right after the flood. That's really the only explanation if there is something called a continental drift. And I tend to believe that there is because how else can you explain how animals that were on the ark that landed at Mount Ararat, how in the world did they get to North America, to Australia, to Antarctica? They didn't swim. They didn't take a boat. But all the animals of the earth that replenished the earth all started there with Noah. And so they had to get there somehow or another. And I personally believe that this uh, cataclysmic event, not a drifting event, uh, took place right after uh, Noah came off the flood. Now, that's the explanation about the continental drift. But as I said, I don't believe that's what's being talked about in this verse. And now we'll have the opportunity uh, to explain why. Looking at the verse once again, um, it's talking about two sons that were born to Eber. And by the way, Eber is the name that the word Hebrews come from. The Hebrew people are called Hebrew people because they are descendants of Eber. Hebrews or Eber means the same thing. And that's why they're called Hebrews. If you ever wondered why the Jewish people were called Hebrews, that's why they were called that. And there is a a guy talked about by the name of Peleg. And as the person who asked the question correctly said, the name uh, in their footnote it says that his name means divided. It means literally divisions. And it was a name given to him because he happened to be born in the time when the earth was divided. Now, here's where her, uh, this person's footnotes gave her a little bit of a problem and led her astray. They, uh, in her footnotes, it had the, uh, for earth uh, there, uh, the land or land. And that's probably what brought up this particular discussion. But you need to understand that sometimes in the Hebrew, these words uh, carry on different meanings within the context of the way they're being used. Um, the word, the earth, translated in the Hebrew, eretz, may, may also be used figuratively to refer to the earth's inhabitants. And it can be talking about the land, or it also can be talking about the earth's inha- in, uh, inhabitants. In fact, as you go through the book of Genesis, you see this particular word used this way um, at least maybe 15 different times. It says the earth, but it's talking about the inhabitants of the earth, not the landmass of the earth or the land itself. Uh, Just two examples very quickly. don't want to go through all of them that you find in the book of Genesis. For example, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11, it says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of balance. There's that Hebrew word Eretz. And obviously, when it mentions the earth right here, it's not talking about the land mass. It's not talking about the mountains and the valleys and the trees and the streams and the grass. That doesn't have sin. What it was talking about was the inhabitants of the earth. The inhabitants of the earth were corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. And notice in this particular verse, it's talking about the earth prior to the flood, and tells us the reason why there was going to be a flood. It's because the earth or the inhabitants of the earth. Or the eret, if you will. Was full or was corrupt in God's sight. And was full of balance. In Genesis chapter 11 in verse 1. The English standard version translates it this way. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. Now once again. When you see the whole earth there. It's not talking about. A landmass. It's is not talking about the mountains and the valleys and the rivers and the oceans had one language, but it's talking about the inhabitants of that particular earth. Here it's used to represent mankind, both here in this case and here in this case. And once again, when you look at this Hebrew word right here, it is talking about uh, the earth in the sense of inhabitants. There are a few places in the book of Genesis where this Hebrew word is... Translated the land, and that might be why it is in, her, in this person's footnotes in this particular way. So we need to understand that the word itself that's being used here does not necessarily mean it's talking about the land being divided, but it could be talking about the inhabitants of the land were being divided. And we have greater reason to believe this because we can start looking at context. We always know if we want to understand what a text means, we need to look at its context. How does the verse fit within the context of the things that happened before it and the things that happen after it? What leads up to this particular verse and what comes after this particular verse? And here in this particular case, you have two contexts. Uh, The very first context, context number one, is this. I want you to notice the verse that comes before it. In Genesis chapter 10, verses 1 through 5, prior to saying what happens in verse 25, it says, and there's, I made that smaller because it's just a bunch of names. I want to get to what the point is that you get to in verse 5. It says, from these coastland people spread into their lands, each with his own language, by their clans and in their nations. Now notice what's happening here prior to verse 25. In verse 5 it talks about people spreading to other lands and they went to these other lands because they were in their own family and nations each speaking their own language. Now keep in mind that the Tower of Babel and God confusing the language of the people didn't take place until chapter 11. So we need to think about that just for a moment. But we're looking at context. The verses before it, we have this taking place. Well, we look at the verses afterwards, and we go to verse 32 of chapter 10, which is not too far after 25. And it says, These are the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, in their nations, and from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Now let's see what we've got as we look at context. Obviously, we're talking about an event that took place after the flood. And obviously, we're talking about an event that, though they're talking about it, it hadn't happened yet as far as our reading chronologically because the spreading of people into nations into their own language doesn't take place until you get to chapter 11 where you read about the story of the Tower of Babel and God being displeased and he confounds them and they can't understand each other and they start spreading out into other areas. Well, you might ask, why is chapter 10 then even here? It seems out of place. Well, that brings us to context number two. and context number two, as you think about this, is simply this. Genesis 10 is a genealogical explanation in order to set the stage for the Tower of Babel incident that follows in Genesis chapter 11. You have in Genesis... Well, I have it on the screen, I believe, here. You have in Genesis chapter 10, it functions as the link needed to bridge the account of the flood with the next significant event in world history... The spread of the nations with their different languages. In other words, you have the flood being talked about um, through chapter 8 and most through, almost completely through chapter 9. And then you get beginning at the end of chapter uh, 9 and going all the way through chapter 10, you have an explanation where all these different people of the sons of Noah went and what nations resulted from the sons of Noah Go back to that and read that sometime. You see where the Jewish people come from. You see where the Europeans come from. You see where all these different nationalities come from. And then that sets the stage of what is going to be happen next in chapter 11, which gives us the explanation how all this came about. Why were there descendants of Noah through Sham, Ham, and Japheth? Why did they become different nations in different places? In fact, if we go back and look at chapter 11 and verse 1 that we mentioned earlier, where we have the idea of the whole earth, we see how in connection to the genealogy that was taking place here, that the earth that was being divided was the earth that's going to be divided here now in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 1, which begins with the whole earth had one language and the same words. And so as we look at what happened here with which his name, it does mean division or divided, because he was born during a time of the Tower of Babel when the inhabitants of the earth were divided. It's not talking about when the landmass was divided. As I told you earlier, I believe if there did something like that happen, and I believe that perhaps something like that did happen, it had to take place probably immediately after the flood. But we know that... The nations didn't divide until sometime after. In fact, it's interesting, if you start... I do know why we have a blank screen there. Oh, there we go. If you start looking at Usher's chronolo- chronolo- uh, chronology, and that's the most trusted kind of, uh, chronolog- uh, chronological study of the Bible as far as numbers are concerned. If somebody goes back and takes everybody's birthday and how long they live and all that kind of thing, notice from his chron- chronological review that the flood took place around uh, 2348, okay? About 100 years later, Pegleg was born, okay? So that would be around about the time that the Tower of Babel took place. But what strikes me as interesting is you start looking at secular history and how they measure things. Notice that Babylon became known as a nation or the founding of that particular nation took place in 2234. Now notice how close that is to when this young man was born and when it says that the earth was divided. Well, think about that for a moment. As the earth was divided, the very first group of people that had enough preeminence to stay in the place where the towel was and did not leave, we know those people to be the Babylonians. In fact, it has a very similar named to the Tower of Babel. That's where even, well, I've got it down here, that even uh, secular history says that, that humanity began in the region of Babylon. And so not very soon after was, uh, Peleg was born and the nations were divided, you have the establishment of the, uh, the beginning of the Babylonian uh, nation. And then a little bit later, about 100 years later, you have recorded in secular history in 2188 the beginning of what's going to be known as the region of Egypt. And then about 100 years later, you have the region of people settling and became known as the area that one day is going to be known as Greece. Now, I want you to notice, as it says here, secular history ignores the events of the flood and the Tower of Babel but secular history teaches that civilization begins in the region of Babylon and spreads out from there. So you have this guy being born in 2247, and that's the same time period that we have the Tower of Babel. And after the incident takes place at the Tower of Babel, you have immediately, not too long after that, um, the uh, the beginning of the nation of Babylon, People being lazy, it takes them a while to get to the areas that there they go. And we're talking about literally thousands and thousands of miles in some circumstances. Finally, the, what's going to be known as the region of Egypt is established. And when people got it in their boats and sailed to the Greek Isles and established civilization there, about 100 years later we have the three main uh, beginning empires that you're going to take, have part in the world later on. But what's also interesting is... The people who lived in this area here in this region here speaks a totally different language with totally different origins than the people who live in this area. They have a totally different language that has a totally different origins from the words they come from, and the same way that people live in this region. they have a totally different language with totally different origins where their words come from than from the other three. Many of the languages we speak today may have the roots in some of these other nations, but those nations themselves have a very distinct language and were different from all others. Which, once again, though secular history may not agree with it, that teaches us about the story of the Tower of Babel that leads us to understand and appreciate that God confounded their language where they could not speak any longer. The nations spread out, and they ended up in different regions because they could not Compatibly live with one another. And that's why we have the nations that we have today. But Getting back to uh, this guy up here and the verse that we read before in, in Genesis chapter 10 and verse 25. Um, there are a few, I mean just a few, commentaries that say that's when the land divided. But majority of religious scholars believe that what's being talked about Here is actually what took place at the Tower of Babel. When this guy was named, he was named Division because that's when the division took place. And that fits the context, uh, both one context as far as the verses that follow before and after. It fits the context as far as what happens with the chapters before, with chapter 9, and then chapter 11 that follows chapter 10. And it also fits with what we know about secular history and the dates that have been provided for us. So I hope that helps, uh, gives a good, clear explanation of uh, what this particular verse is talking about. Uh, Most of you were here this morning, and I spent a lot of time in our lesson this morning, uh, talking about what a person needs to do in order to be saved. And if there's anyone here tonight who needs to uh, become a Christian, we want to give you that opportunity. But as we also saw this morning with Trish coming forward and asking for prayer, Uh, This is also an opportunity for you to ask for prayer from this congregation or rededicate your life to Jesus Christ or whatever need you may have. We just simply hope that you'll come as together we stand and sing the invitation song.